The new National Act, New Zealand First Coalition Government, says it will introduce a Treaty Principles Bill based on Act policy and support it to a select committee. Not sure what this means, but Annabel Lee Mather is a producer and reporter on TVNZ's Mata Reports, co-host of the spin-offs political podcast Gone by Lunchtime. And here she is, kia ora. What is your understanding, Annabel, of what act David Seymour intends? And is it the same as what he intended before the election result? I think it's intended to be perhaps what you might describe as a legislative assault on Māori and Māori development. Um, I think uh, it's not quite as he intended. His um, his desire was for a, a full referendum up front, which I think most people would have considered to have a destabilising, weakening effect on But a referendum cohesion. on what? Well, it wasn't specifically spelt out, but I believe about the, the inclusion of, of treaty principles. The treaty will never go away, he said. And it will always say exactly what it says. What we're suggesting is that Parliament should define the principles of the treaty, which seems reasonable because the principles of the treaty have never really been defined, right? Well, they have been actually over the last 40 years by some of the greatest legal minds in New Zealand, presided over by judges, um, including the evidence of some of New Zealand's greatest historians, both Māori and Pākehā, and even the Privy Council. And under the the Waitangi Act, um, the job of the Waitangi Tribunal is to investigate and interrogate breaches of treaty principles. So in doing so, they, they help to define what the treaty principles are. So to wipe out all of that work, all of that evidence, um, all of that mātauranga that's been collected over, over 40 years seems somewhat reckless. And do you think that the thinking is that because it's been compiled gradually over time, it's not clear enough, it's not specific enough, even though... It feels so to Māori. It doesn't feel so to David Seymour and the people who voted for him. Uh, um, to me, it just seems to be a populist issue where, you know, um, the current um, uh, resentment that New Zealanders are feeling about um, the state of our economy, inflation, all of those things are being weaponised against Māori with this idea that somehow Māori are getting better deals than than the, the rest of New Zealanders or rights that other people don't have. So I, I think that it's more about capturing um, um, the negativity that people are feeling with their lot at the moment and focusing it on, on, yeah. on Māori. I mean, I think a lot of people genuinely thought that he was going to have a referendum on the treaty. Mm. Do we want the treaty or do we not? Yeah. And... I don't think it's unfair to suggest that he was quite happy with that misunderstanding. Absolutely. And the reality is is, um, you can have a referendum on the treaty because uh, that's how our democracy works, but but we wouldn't have a democracy in New Zealand were it not for the treaty. It's the treaty that allowed a government to be established, a Western government to be established here. So without the treaty, there is no democracy. 
So what do you think is going to happen? What we're looking at now is a select committee. National said it's going to support the bill through two select committees. That doesn't mean it's going to get through. What's the process? Um, well, there's sort of two schools of thinking about what we saw play out yesterday. One is that it's quite an elegant solution that Luxon has reached, that you you avoid the, the, um, the unrest that, a referendum would cause and instead you know it'll be a cooler approach where you have to go to select committee Māori will have the right to put forward their views um, all parties will be included around the table and there is no um, requirement for them to you know follow through to the next stage a bill is just a bill until it becomes an act and there's no guarantee that it will be on the other hand there is concern that uh, that taking a legislative approach rather than a, a referendum approach which asks just a simple question yes or no um, could be could be wider reaching there's also a school of thought that potentially um, the review itself of treaty principles could be a treaty breach if Maori aren't included meaningfully in it and so therefore we might see maybe an urgent claim go before the Waitangi Tribunal about the review itself. What would a referendum have said? I have no idea. Uh, because uh, if, if David Seymour is is being honest then they were never going to say let's get rid of the treaty. So what would it have said? I imagine that it would be about removing all references to treaty principles in, you, in, you, in our legislation. Right. But I think that the issue around um, tre- the treaty being included in our legislation is to avoid treaty breaches in the future. So if you don't want Māori constantly having to go to the Waitangi Tribunal, if you don't want to have to... Um, pay for future settlements for treaty breaches. It's actually there to help our country run better so that we don't have these injustices being repeated time after time and people having to lawyer up. I remember when Winston Peters used to rail against the treaty gravy train. Those principles are there to help put an end to the treaty so-called gravy train so that we're not the Crown isn't constantly breaching treaty principles. The um, issue of co-governance is, of course, bundled up with this. And David Seymour has spoken out against co-governance, but it's been pointed out that he also supports Maori service providers. Mm. Do you know where he is on that? Or is he still trying to have a bob each way? Well, I mean, he seems to be having a co-governance relationship right now with him and Winston Peters and Luxon, even though um, New Zealand First and ACT are only, I think, is it about 11% of, of the vote? The reality is is that there's very little co-governance happening in New Zealand. I think, again, it's one of these um, phrases that have uh, become a, a part of our everyday dialogue that people don't actually really understand what it means. The majority of co-governance um, relationships in New Zealand uh, are around um, resources like, or natural resources like the Waikato River. There's a desire to um, to um, extend it into um, social services so that New Zealand taxpayers are getting better bang for their buck, that their, their money isn't for the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff, but more sort of a preventative approach to different social services and health and those sorts of things. So, What are you going to, what do you, what do you think is going to happen to the Maori Health Agency under this coalition? 
I understand it's gone under this coalition. And the thing that I find interesting is, you know, ACT talks a lot about too much governance, um, but we've seen that we now have 28 ministers uh, in Parliament. And also, not only are we getting rid of the, the, the Māori Health Service, but overreaching into university admissions policy to review um, the program to encourage more Māori and Pacifica doctors to go, uh, you know, students to go into med school. Every time anybody touches on the issue of the treaty um, or co-governance or uh, Māori in general, everybody goes, that's Don Brash again, it's Don Brash all over again. Is it not possible to talk about these things without being accused of being Don Brash? I absolutely do think it's possible. And if people are genuinely interested in learning and understanding about the treaty, I would suggest that, you know, the Waitangi Tribunal website is a really good place to start. You know, go and download um, the, the... um, the findings or the report into the local iwi in the area where you live and, and find out what happened to them, get some context. I think we should be having discussions around the treaty, but they also need to be informed discussions. So, you know, when you're arguing to remove New Zealand history from our from our school curriculum, you're not really setting up the next generation of New Zealanders to be able to have meaningful conversations. I was reading an article about the Australian no vote, and it was by Paul Kelly in The Australian, and he wrote the no vote was about more than a voice, which was the vote was about. It was a repudiation of elite progressive values and norms. And I'm wondering if that's what we're seeing here in terms of this election and what's to come. Uh, I've recently spent time in Australia um, speaking to people who were involved in the vote to Parliament and um, Thomas um, Mayo, who was a leading Indigenous voice in the Yes vote, talked about the desire to have the referendum because he wanted to see Indigenous rights entrenched in the Constitution and for all of Australians to get on board. And when the when the voice to Parliament was was first mooted, when the um, when the proposed wording was revealed in August last year, sixty percent of Australians um, supported the, the the yes vote. And then, of course, we see different players come to the four Atlas groups like that who kind of led the charge for the no vote. So I, I think that probably the unfortunate thing about what happened in Australia was the timing of it. It happened during a time of inflation like here when, when people are feeling hard done by, they tend to um, feel aggrieved by anyone who's perceived to have more rights or uh, then they are like Indigenous people. Ironically, the opposite is true. So I, I think that's probably a reflection of that and what's happened here. Uh, thanks very much. Thank you for coming in. Annabelle Lee Mather, who is the uh, one of the hosts of the podcast Gone by Lunchtime on the spin-off, also a producer and reporter on TVNZ Matter Reports. Ngamihi.